Thank you, musicians and platform workers. As you all know, Pastor Sullivan is not here, but our brother Corey is. We have a lot and similar, a lot of differences. He likes Milwaukee. I like DeWalt. He likes Ford. I like Chevy. But we share the same gospel, and he's going to come bring that to you guys tonight. So here's our brother Corey. Give him a warm round of applause. All right. Thank you. I don't know if this is on. Sorry I don't drive a Chevy because I used to. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding, actually. But, um like to thank you all for coming tonight. Um, it would be awfully boring if it was just me and my family here. And uh, I truly love every one of you. Um, and I'm glad that each one of you are here. Um, in thinking about uh, what to preach for tonight, um, I had a few different things that bounced through my mind, a few different things that came and went, a few different things that changed. I guess that's fairly common, but... Um, I'm still relatively new to that, but um, I still enjoy the time that it takes to uh, invest to write a sermon. Um, The title of this sermon is, Do You Know What Spirit You're Of? Now, there's been many times where you've had that conversation with a person, and you might go, that didn't feel right. But on the flip side, you might have a conversation or a moment you've shared with someone, and you're like, wow. That person has such a sweet spirit. Or wow, they have such a refreshing spirit. Or wow, they make me feel so comforted, so appreciated. And it's just through the words that they would speak. Now this started as a different sermon, so if my title doesn't work out perfectly, I hope you'll bear with me. But uh, we're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 16. We have two different parts here that we're going to read. But this is a story that some of us would know well and some of us maybe not. But, but Peter, in speaking to Jesus, there was one time that, that God praised him, that he had the mind of God, and another time that he rebuked him. And we're first going to read with the time that he praised him, uh, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Or, or say, yeah, say that I am. The son of, um, I messed up there, but close enough. So they said to him, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered him and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, and I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, that's a pretty profound statement that he said there, but simply starting with, he spoke a word that lined up with something that he had received from heaven. So Jesus drew out this heavenly truth out of Simon. Later he's called Peter, just for those of you that don't know that. But um, So Peter himself wasn't the rock, but it was the understanding that Jesus was the son of the living God. And that's the foundation of our faith. And that's one thing we must know. And it was truly amazing, even though it was so long ago to us, that, that, that Jesus himself would honor someone 
for simply speaking the truth that God gave them. And this is, you know, he didn't allow the worldly opinions to, to sway his mind, you know, because the world of that day would have said all these other things like it even said that, that, that he was something else or he was less than what he was. And that's what the, the world still does today. They try to say that Jesus was anything less than what he truly was. Because if God was anything less than what he was, then our faith means nothing. But that truth is still the same, and it only comes from heaven. It only comes from God. And this spoken word lines up with the Spirit of God. And this is just one example, but we have the opportunity in our daily lives and everything that we might speak that our spirit would either line up with God or not. For the Bible also says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And words themselves are spirit, and it conveys a part of our spirit every time we talk. And even in Samuel, he speaks of this when he was speaking of God. He said, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his words are on my tongue. And this is truly profound understanding that, that... Gave my mind quite the, the, the time to try and think it through and figure it out. But, but every word we speak, there is spirit with it. That's why you can come into a room and someone has just finished yelling and you can feel it. And you weren't there, you know nothing of it. It's not just the body language on the person. They could have even already left the room. But it's because the words that we speak are spirit. So sometimes... The interesting thing is, is that this profoundly godly wisdom sometimes comes out of the most unexpected places. We can find a moment where we hear a true revelation of heaven coming out of the mouth of a new convert that might have only been saved even a matter of hours. But if you're listening and you recognize it, you can hear words from heaven. I'm not saying... base your doctrine off of something that's been someone who's been saved an hour but when you hear truths from heaven listen sometimes it can even be our children i can't count the number of times that my kids have said profound things that sometimes actually caught me off guard but they were still absolutely true but the unfortunate thing is even in this story just as with our children and even with adults that we in one moment can say something profoundly lined up with god and in the very next moment, something that's profoundly not lined up with God. And we see in this scripture the second half that leads us to that, because in each one of these there's a counterpart. And this is uh, in Matthew 16, verses 21 through 28. This is where Jesus ends up um, having to, to speak to Peter because of the words that he spoke that did not line up with heaven. And it said, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I don't know about you, but if you're trying to rebuke God, that's normally not going to go well. But so he said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but of of the things of men. And immediately after this, now he speaks to his disciples. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, this is the flip side, unfortunately, that sometimes we can say things or do things or be influenced by things that are not of God. Now, we can, <clears throat> we can see here that, you know, that this obviously didn't start very well because Jesus, as I said a moment ago, tried to rebuke, I'm sorry, Peter tried to rebuke Jesus. Now, sometimes we might even ourselves try and tell God what's right based on his own word. The problem is, is when we come against God in his will, we are in error. We are thinking of ourselves. And part of this, Peter himself was clearly thinking of preserving not just Jesus' life, but his own. And sometimes when we think too much of ourselves, it's when we get ourselves in trouble. And I don't know how many of you have children, but I know I have three. And I know there's times where even my children will try and convince me of something that is true because of something that I've said in the past. And they will use it completely in error. Um, there's one particularly entertaining story. Um, Michaela, forgive me. Now, she's a beautiful, lovely soul. And this is from a time ago. But it just exemplifies how we can use the words of another um, inaccurately. Um, she was uh, having a moment upstairs demanding my wife's attention until she finally screamed, Mommy, I need you now, which earned her a little bit of discipline. And afterwards, she was still angry and pronounced to my wife, Mommy, when you don't listen, people get hurt. The day before, she was told this because when she didn't listen, one of her siblings got hurt, if I remember correctly. But we, too, do the same thing with God, though. I know it's entertaining for us to think about it that way, but sometimes we will try and twist what God's told us. We'll try and shift the blame. We'll try and shift it to what feels right to us, what helps us have less pain. And... When we, uh, as I said, when we speak like this, we're speaking out of the wrong spirit. Now, each one of us, before we get saved, uh, and God reveals, you know, what type of spirit we really are, so we can recognize um, what's going on in our own lives. And until God does that, we are are legitimately uninformed or ignorant of of what kind of spirit we truly are. We might have known we were somewhat of a good person or we thought we were an okay person or maybe we did know that we were not a good person. But either way, when when God reveals himself to us, when he has that opportunity to uh, impart to us a part of his spirit, we then have the reference. We then can, with clarity, know what kind of spirit we're of and know what has the primary access to our hearts, to our spirit, or even to our soul. Now, when we are being, um, well, the the unfortunate thing is that we can be manipulated. And that's not just by people. It can be by circumstance. It can be by 
another spirit, or it could even be a, a person that's been influenced by that spirit. Unfortunately, I'm very thirsty, but... Thank you. And that's actually a lesson that, uh, that doubles for a children's church lesson, because uh, dead time is terrible in children's church as well. So, when, when we've... Uh, spent too much time with someone or something with the wrong spirit, it influences us. Now, the types of spirits that come that are not of God, they can be unforgiveness, they can be bitterness, pride, fear, greed, immorality, lust, idolatry, hatred. You know, all of these things that are not of God would seek to destroy us. Every last one of them, bar none, their end game is to pull us farther away from God not closer. With forgiveness, God calls us to forgive. And with pride, we simply are exalting ourselves higher than we ought. That we should have God in that first head position in our lives and in every situation of our lives. Even with fear and greed, and fear we're simply not trusting, and greed we also are not trusting, but in a different way. And on down the line it goes, each time, every one of these different... Uh, spirits that can influence us all pull us further away from God. So we must understand, firstly, where spirit itself comes from to fully understand why the influence has as much impact as it does. And simply, God himself is the one that gave us our spirit, our soul. So it's simply, at 100% of every spirit, it's either with God or it's not. There is no such thing as an in-between. There's no neutral ground. It's all or nothing. And a lot of us, we don't like that because a lot of times we like to play the fence. We like to be just perfectly enough that we're not against something, but we're not for it so that we can play either side of the ball. But the truth is, with God, there is no in-between. And it's the same with the spirit that would influence us. It's either it's for God or it's not. So... And one of the things that influence us within ourselves is what they would call the flesh. And that's one of the things that they talk about in the Bible more than one occasion that, you know, that the spirit is in the spirit of God in the flesh. They war against each other. And that's where it tells us about what evidences come from what spirit impacts us. And then this is, um, and this all comes down to that exact thing, that split between the two sides and this is spoken of, uh, of course, I didn't write the chapter. Um, well, it says, I, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For flesh and lust are against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you, that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentiousness, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, um, designations, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you forehand, beforehand, just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
But the fruit of the Spirit, this is talking the Spirit of God, is love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, oh, I did them backwards, goodness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who are, Christ, who are Christ have crucified the flesh with the passion and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So then later on it says basically that the greatest of all these things is love. And the greatest commandment in Galatians 14 it basically it says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now love, there's more than one type of love. And we should love one another. And these are the things, that the fruits of the Spirit that all add up. No, I accidentally muted it. <laughs> At the bottom, bottom, I didn't realize it. So love is what we ought to be able to show to one another because God himself is love. And that's one of the things that's most profound is that literally God is love. So he is the one that is conveyed when we show love to one another. His spirit is then moving through us when we show love to one another, when we do these things, like I was saying before, like... When you have that conversation, it's one of the things that growing up that I so preciously um, remember of my grandmother. There was a number of times we went up to cut firewood and you might hang out up in, in grandma's house. She, um, having been a pastor's wife, she had a very sweet spirit that made you feel absolutely comfortable. She might draw out what's going on or what you're doing wrong, but she made you feel absolutely comfortable just to talk with her. She made you feel like you were the only person that existed during that conversation. That all the rest of the world did not exist. And I believe that is a true evidence of the God that she knew. In one of the treasures that I still have was a small book where she wrote down the different things, the different scriptures in her life that directed her life. And each one of us, that's one of the things that we can go to to see and to partake in the Spirit of God is in His Word. That's where it can be found. And in that, we can spend time with that Spirit rather than another. And the spirits that influence us will not only influence us, whether that be for good or for evil, it'll influence our lives, our homes, and even our church. But our church should always be marked by the love of God. Because God, he has the ability, even when we're doing something wrong, to correct us, even if forcefully at times, he can correct us in love. Because he paid the price that each one of us could find and make heaven our home. And him dying on the cross was not a gentle thing. So there's times when, yes, it is appropriate to allow God to abruptly change our course. I know there's been times where I struggled and was not confident on a situation where I would pray to God that, God, if I'm wrong, correct me. I mean it. If I'm wrong, correct me. I even one time said, God, if I'm wrong, rebuke me. Like, um, I don't 
recommend those kind of prayers because God did not rebuke me, but it was one of those ones where you just, when you didn't want to have to do something, you wished that you were wrong, but it, it was a godly calling to do what was right in a situation. I won't get into those details because it's not part of this sermon per se, but the fruit of our speech and our actions should reflect God in all that we do. And in Matthew, it talks of the, the, the fruits of a tree. And it's also then spoken of in Luke. I'm not going to read them both because they're slightly redundant to read them both. But in Luke, it's a little bit more concise, so I'm going to read that one for you. It's in Luke chapter, chapter 6, verse 43. It says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs or thorn, from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bushes. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good fruit. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The other one is talking to the Pharisees and he basically calls them brood of vipers. It was one of those times where Jesus was abrasive to the religious but, but I believe that was on purpose and deliberate for the religious because that's what they needed to have the opportunity to bring them into salvation, to be honest with you. Because I know sometimes God will take a situation and will make it just abrasive enough for us to have an opportunity to find repentance. If a gentle word would suffice, I believe God would use it. It's no different than with us raising our kids. If a simple, gentle word sufficed, we would not have gone further. We would have gladly even praised them for so quickly adjusting their course. But some of us, unfortunately, we do, as stubborn as we are at times, remain off course till God finally gets our attention. That's why sometimes for people that are Steeped in drugs, sometimes it's hit what's called rock bottom, where nearly everything is destroyed before they're ready to depart from the, the sin that they've wrapped themselves in. So, we will see that in our, we, we will see what our fruit is for each of us in our words and our actions, but sometimes by the outcome. And as some of us start to lead others and minister to others, we will see who we are developed in them. And we impart to people who we are every time we minister. That's one of the burdens of a pastor or if anyone that's truly ministering to another person is that you're going to minister who you are. And that's one of the things that even in a social setting that we have to be careful is because our spirit can be influenced. That's why we have to maintain it. That's why we have to maintain God's influence on us. And we have to be careful sometimes who we listen to. Um, nowadays, what channel you watch, and I'm not talking about TV. It may be, I don't know, Pick Your Poison YouTube or any of the other ones. I don't know what they are. But we have to be careful who we listen to because those things that we open ourselves up to will influence who we are and even our perspective of who God is to us. And in some way, in some situations, the only way to establish dominion over it 
is to remove it, or remove it, all of its access to you to influence you. Sometimes it's the only way. There's no other way. So it can't be just cut back. It can't be just partial. It has to be all or nothing, just like the Spirit is either for God or it's against God. And that's one of the things that is so simple, but yet sometimes so difficult for us to listen to. Sometimes this could even be a, an artist. Uh, certain songs we listen to, we notice that when we listen to it, it, it compels us to move away from God rather than closer to it. Sometimes it's even socializing with this one specific person that I feel completely terrible every time I talk to them. But I'll tell you, if you find someone that you feel refreshed and you feel closer to God every time you talk to them, that's a great person to spend time with. Truly great. We can, instu- we can restore our godly influence in our own lives, though, by giving God access to our spirit. Finally, we do that by praying and reading his word because his word is God's spirit. His word can get into our hearts, get into our lives through our spending time with him, just like the spending time with someone that may or may not be the right person to spend time with. The more time we spend, just like the Bible says, bad company corrupts good morals. But I tell you, the best company you can keep is a company with God in heaven. Prayer is one of the most profound influencers that we can have on our lives. I know it's been said more than once, but I know even with my wife, she's made comments when she gets up and prays first thing in the morning, she has a better day. I can say the same thing. But I'll be guilty to say that my most common time to pray in the morning is while I'm driving, which can get interrupted and not well. But it still remains true that if we pray, that we, if we seek God and we seek his spirit, he will influence us. And then we can have the evidences that we ought to have. Because with each interaction that we have, whether it be a complete stranger, whether it be a person in our church, whether it be a person in our home, whether it be our children... We should have the Spirit of God on us every time that we interact with people. I'm not saying that you're there, you know, with a white robe, you know, doing the I'm holy from heaven thing, but just simply that God influences me and the love of God is in me. And I want to show that love towards you. And that's one of the things that would compel people, especially in this day and age, where they literally teach people to hate one another. God says... He loves every last one of us. It doesn't matter the, the extra details, period. He loves all of us. And God wished that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that should be the opportunity we seek. And, and that same opportunity we should even seek for our enemies. I know that's a difficult and a big pill to swallow at times, but we should pray for those, even those who would seek to spitefully use us. We should pray for their repentance. We should pray for their salvation that they too could come to know God. I know one of the things that I pray for those that, that I have overseen in ministry, I pray that they would have greater influence than, than I've had with someone else for the purposes of God. At the end of the day, we need to choose God's love to be an influence in our lives and to be the primary influence in our life. 
we can't have it halfway, unfortunately. We're either moving towards God or we're moving away. And those evidences, if we look at our own lives and we evaluate our own lives, we can either say, yes, I'm moving towards God, or you're simply doing something else. But that still remains the same truth, because in all of our life, we should be seeking to get closer to God and to help others around us also get closer to God. Whether that be the brethren in our church, whether it be the people in our family, and obviously to include yourself, we should be seeking to move closer to God. And with that, I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. I spoke of in this sermon the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he was the Son of God. That's a profound, absolute truth that is unwavering and it's the foundation of our faith. And that Jesus that came to this earth, he died on the cross for each one of us. And I know every last one of us, we were all sinners, just like the Bible says. Not one of us can claim that we're perfect. Because I know that we're not, and, and we also ourselves know it's true. But if there be anyone in this place that you have not received the forgiveness that Jesus offers each one of us, you could signify that briefly just with an uplifted hand. I would be delighted at the opportunity to pray with you. And if you once knew God, but you want to come back closer to that relationship which God has given us, an opportunity. He hasn't forced anyone. He's invited all. So if you've fallen away and you simply have gotten further away than you, than you were before and you want to come back closer to God, if you could lift up your hand to signify that, yes, I want that. I want to return back to a closer relationship. If you could, open, if you could acknowledge that with a lifted hand, how many would there be? Then finally, for each of us that are Christians... I don't know how many of us, if we truly evaluated our own heart, it's something we should do often to say that, yes, I am seeking to get closer to God. Yes, I'm seeking that the others around me would get closer to God. That we would be a unified force for heaven to bring souls to the foot of the cross that they could get saved by that same power that raised Jesus from the grave that saved us. And set us free. Because that's a simple answer. You're either moving closer or you're not. I know situations of lives that become unique. I don't discount those at all. I myself have gone through many seasons of life. But that's actually the source of this sermon. Even in difficult times, we still need to choose what's going to influence, them, influence each one of us the most. That our speech... Every word we would speak that it could glorify God, that we would be conveying the Spirit of God through every word that we would speak. And with that said, the altars are open. If God's spoken to you, come speak with Him here, because that's one of the best places to go to, to get closer to God's Spirit that He can influence each and every one of us. See?
your face, pass me by the crowd of people. Praise will sing your praise. I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness. It's only found one place. Take me into the holy of holy. In by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holy. Take hopeless bodies. Here I am. We pass the outer course. We holy place. Pass the brazen altar. Righteousness, holy found. 